0: continuing the, the engaged uh, series today, and as we sort of begin our message, what may be of use to you is, is having this out, either on your lap or actively using it with a, a pen or a writing utensil. It'll help you to follow my sometimes difficult way of, line of thinking, uh, uh, so maybe that would be a blessing to you today. Um, as, as you look at the, the, the video, you know, maybe, maybe some of those things pop out at you as far as things that distract Things that grab your attention or things that you find yourself being engaged with. Um, This is one way of thinking about it, but Forrest Gump had a different way of thinking about it. You know, when he was sitting on that bench in that memorable scene, Mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates, never know what you're going to get. Uh, and, and I think he was onto something, maybe at some basic you know, philosophical level, he understands that you can't always understand or um, predict what's going to come at you in life. You can just take it one step at a time and, and deal with it appropriately. Life is like a box of chocolates, but I also believe that your life is like a Lego. Um, let, let me explain. Um, when you look at a Lego, you, you, uh, I think you know the anatomy of a Lego, but there's a picture in case you've never seen one. A, a Lego has all these different uh, little pegs on it, or I guess the technical term is a stud. You know, those little things that raise up. And that allows the Lego to connect with other Legos and other things. Life is like a Lego because you only have so many ways you can connect with other stuff. You only have so many people that you can connect with and call your immediate friends. You only have so many ways that you can uh, connect with other people and invite them. Um, only so many ways that you can uh, serve. You, know, you only have so much money, so much time, so much everything. You have a limited number of opportunities to connect. And so throughout this series, we're, we're making sure we take some time to evaluate what, what's on top of each stud. What's taking up my room? Is there any stud that I have open right now that I'd like to fill with something meaningful? Today, as we get into the, the topic of, of serving, I, I think this picture of the Lego, this, this idea, is, is one that fits very well because when, when you serve with someone else, when you serve someone else, you're trying to build up something together. You're, you're, you're working towards a common goal. I guess the negative um, illustration is that when when you have a friend or a relative who's on a bad path and you don't want to have any part of it, you won't help them. They need money. Sorry, I'm not going to help. I need something. Sorry, I can't serve you. I can't facilitate. I can't uh, encourage what you're doing. And so you, you step aside. But for the other person, the person you do want to serve, you have that common goal. You have that common vision that you want them to reach. And so you help. You serve. You save some of your studs for them so that you can, you can serve them in a meaningful way. This gets into my first observation in the first fill-in on your sheet, and that is people serve in order to build up towards a common goal. That's another reason why I think Legos are a good picture of this. You're building up together, you know, building something together. Um, sometimes when, when you're serving someone else, things don't always go according to plan, though. I'm mindful of the fact that my season in life means I'm going to use a lot of illustrations that involve younger kids, so I apologize, but I'm, not, I'm going to do it anyway. I was playing with my kids this last week, you know, 2, 4, and 6 years old, and child number one, we're playing Jenga, okay? Except when you play Jenga with a 2, 4, and 6-year-old, you don't actually, you know, take little things out. You just push the tower over. So we were playing with Jenga blocks, Child number one wants to set up a little square house, you know, blocks this way and this way, and you keep building it up and up and up. Child two wants to set them up like dominoes, you know, all in order, so you push one and and they all fall down. Uh, Child one asks for my help, so I start to help. Child two gets angry, Daddy, help me, so I start to help child two. Child one gets angry that I'm helping child one, or was it one that helped? Anyway, they're both getting upset that I'm not helping both of them. And to make matters worse, child one wanted 51% of the blocks. (laughs) Child two wanted 51% of the blocks. And so there was some controversy going on in our household on that day. Finally, I stood back, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to serve both of you. Let's watch the Lego movie. There was something similar going on in the first century A.D. There was, there was a group of people, not just you know a few kids with their dad, but there was a congregation, an entire church. And they were being selfish in the way that they treated each other. While they should have been building up for the same goal and serving each other and helping each other, it was the opposite. And I'm going to go ahead and just spill my beans, uh, give you the whole reading here. It's Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Paul is talking to a congregation That's not very good at serving each other. This is what he tells them. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. In other words, to be selfish. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's where things get ugly in verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. It, he pictures it as this literal biting, devouring other people when, when you're acting selfishly, when you're saying, I want 51%. Um, and while he's using a little bit of hyperbole, you know, speaking uh, not literally of eating each other, but I think what he's communicating is very clear. I've read about several businesses, successful businesses, that have ended up splitting and failing because both business partners couldn't see eye to eye on something. So they split and they sold out. It's gone. I've heard of congregations, churches in today's world, that were well-established, doing great, had had a great great thing going. And because of difference in opinion, the congregation split in half into two unsustainable entities. And not over doctrinal things, not over biblical things. It was over a matter of preferences. You know, when selfishness becomes the thing that, that gets between us, then it's going to look like biting and devouring. And while we might have had a common goal to build up to, it's destroyed. That's one thing that can get in the way of serving. There's another thing too. Problems with the blueprints. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus acknowledged that when you're trying to serve, one of the biggest things that can get in your way is if you have two people serving with different blueprints. Or Jesus I'll put it this way. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. The illustration is, is you got two kids who want to use the same blocks for different things. It's, it's not going to work out when, when uh, they start to fight because you're working with, with uh, different mindsets, different blueprints. You cannot serve two masters, and so that's the other problem that we might run into with with service. Uh, Whatever master you listen to will be largely the one that shapes the way you serve. I'll go ahead and put our next uh, fill-in up here as as I explain what I mean. Whom I serve shapes how I serve. If I, as a father, was was completely um, focused on serving child number one, I would have built a house. If I was focused on serving child number two, I would have set up some dominoes. You know, whom I serve dictates how I serve. The first lesson that we read today from Joshua is, is a perfect illustration of, of that too. Um, Joshua recognized that with all the people in this new land that they, they had different masters. They were listening to different voices. And he, he kind of he phrases it in a way that's... It's, you almost sense a little bit of sarcasm in there. He's telling them, "Look, guys, we we we're here. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the Lord? Oh, I get it. I, I think you are going to serve the God of the Amorites. You know, the people that you defeated. You're the defeated gods. You're going to pick them up and worship them. You're going to serve them, aren't you?" And maybe you know a few things about the, the gods that, that the, the Israelites pushed out of the land, the, the idols. Um, s- some of them were interesting, to say the least, kind of scary. Some of these religious practices were as such if, that if you had a certain god or a certain idol and you wanted to serve that god, you would make yourself a prostitute in that god's temple. That's what service looked like. That's what it looked like to serve that God. And maybe just a reinforcement of our second point here. Whom I serve will shape how I serve. And as, as, you, as you remember that, um, all of a sudden it becomes very much more important to, to keep in mind who it is that we're building onto, who it is that we're connected to. The only uh, thing that you really have to watch out for is is this mindset that we also tend to turn this phrase around. I will choose my master based on how he wants me to serve. You know, sometimes people might pick a, an idol not because it looks great or because it's awesome, but because uh, the idea behind this idol is that it allows you to do what you want to do. It lets you serve in a way that gratifies yourself. And once you fall into that little circle, then you're kind of craggled. Have you seen the Lego movie? <laughs> You're kind of cragled. I assume not everyone has seen it, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it real briefly. The Lego movie is about Lego people. And they live in a Lego world, an entire world made out of Lego bricks. And so everything, you know, you can move everything around, build new stuff. Um, but the premise of the movie, the problem is, this evil guy named Lord Business, who is also a Lego, he doesn't like things to change. He likes things to say in just the the perfect order that he he put them in. And so he somehow gets this epic ancient weapon called the Kregel. And what the Kregel does is it freezes all of the Legos in place so that you can't move them ever again. And for those who haven't seen the movie, Kregel, what's going on? Here's a picture of what the Kregel is. I hope if we're in the right order here, here we go. Crazy glue with certain letters, you know, sort of missing and, and scratched off. And so it's not crazy glue anymore, but it's, you know, if a kid looks at it, he says, oh, that's <laughs> Um So Lord B- evil Lord Business is using this craigle to, to, you know, get all the Legos stuck together. What, what's the point here? When, when we were born and the way that we were made, the way that we were brought into this world, we, we were sort of cragled. You know, we talk about us being Legos. Only so many connections, you know, only only certain things that we can do. We are actually stuck. We talked about the importance of who your master is and how that shapes your service. We didn't really have a choice. Maybe the best way to illustrate it is this. You know, you look at a a typical Lego and you put it down because you want to play with it or build with it. Which end is up? The studs go up, Right? the side with the little pegs that's how you build on top of it um, and that's that's a servant mindset if, if i'm the lego on the bottom other things are being built on top of me i serve to support you know the way that we were cragled. other way upside down not thinking of what i can do to serve but thinking of what i can be placed onto thinking of what can complement me what would look good on me what would serve me well that's the kind of selfishness that the, this, this congregation we just read about, the, the, the selfishness that was eating them apart. And that's the natural way that we were born to. And, and not just what we used to be, but it's also what we, are, we have a tendency towards. We, we still have a, a drawing towards this me mentality that I'm entitled to something great and that uh, the world around me should serve me. And when you're cragled like that, you're not a servant to anyone, but you're actually the slave. Um, once again, I'm going to throw in the next fill in here and then explain it. Um, fill in number three: to be a servant is to be a willing slave. One of the things I haven't really shared with you yet is when you look at the word servant or serve in the Bible, that there's something a lot deeper. I did a count, and the Greek word uh, for, for, um, that's often translated servant is doulas. doulas. And when I did a search, that came up 118 times just in the New Testament, that word doulas. Um, do you know how it's most often translated? Almost always is servant. But if, if you look at what the word really means, it means slave. There's a subtle but important distinction between a servant and a slave. A slave has no choice in the matter, but a servant serves willingly. I I also looked at different ways the word doulas, and it's not just used as a noun to talk about a slave, but it's used as a verb to talk about what a slave does. And again, the thing that came up again and again is that when we translate that into English, you can't really, you know, translate it very well, I slaved for, you know, I slaved for a living. So it's often, often translated serve, but I think the idea is kind of lost. Um, t- to give some examples, I, pu- I put some uh, passages up here. The one that we already talked about is when Jesus <coughs> said, you cannot serve two masters. Any idea what the word serve literally means? Slave. You can't be a slave to two masters at the same time. Uh, another example, Colossians 3.24. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. And there's two things to point out here. First of all, the word serving, you guessed it, Slave the Lord Christ you are being a slave to. Uh, the other thing to point out, the word Lord. What does the word Lord literally mean? Because there are lords in the Bible that aren't God. You know, sometimes it's lowercase l referring to people. Lord is a master. You can't have a master without slaves. You can't have slaves without a master. This is the relationship or the, the kind of a, a picture that God places in front of us as far as how we are with him. Uh, Next one. Galatians 4, verse 3. Now we're actually getting into a passage that uses that doulas word literally. When we were children, we were in slavery. You and I were cradled. We were stuck. And this passage starts to to, to let us know what that means. What did it look like? What was it like? Uh, We were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. You and I saw a lot of things out there that serve us. Uh, we, we saw an organization that, that would serve my needs well. We saw something that would uh, highlight me, uh, something that would serve my uh, desire for entitlements. You know that, That's the way the world operates. And that's what we were a slave to. Uh, this next one uh, really drives it home. Romans 6, verse 20. Uh, Paul just says flat out, You were slaves to sin. Of all the truths in the Bible, this has got to be one of the scariest ones. From the way that we were born in sin, you could say that my Lord is sin. My master is sin. The thing that controls me is sin. I can't break away from it. There's nothing I can do to run away from it. I can't free myself from it. It's it's something I'm stuck with. Kregel's. Nothing I can do. And then Paul goes on. He says the consequence of this, you know, being being a mass, being a slave of sin, is you're also shackled onto death, and there's no way to get away from it. To be a servant is to be a slave. Um, we, we just said willing slave, because. The Bible turns things around too. As you look at at Galatians, uh, we'll go and throw the passage up here. As you look at Galatians, we see something that's changing now. Uh, 5 verse 1, this is happening before what's what's in your uh, service folder. Uh, It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom means that you are no longer the slave of anything. No longer the slave of anyone. You've been set free. How in the world could God take a cragled Lego like you and set you free? He used his blood. Whether it was when you were baptized, or whether it was when you first heard the great news of what God has done for you, God was washing you in blood to set you free. There's nothing else you, you needed to do. You were not forced to do anything that you didn't want to do. Uh, no longer did you have to follow the, the, the principles of this world. You know, even, even the most noble thought we had up to that point was, maybe if I'm a slave to God, he will love me. Maybe if I try really hard, he will love me. And God said, no. I give you Freedom. And that freedom came at the price of God's own son. You've been set free. And so now you you, you picture it. You know, slave used to be my master. It's it's gone. Jesus killed it. My my master is dead. I've been set free. It's for freedom that he did that. But now here comes a paradox. Paradox. As we as we you know look at what else it says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. Guess what that word serve literally is in the Greek? Slave. It's for freedom Christ has set you free, but be slaves. You're completely free, but you're a slave. What what God did was, you know, he, He took us Legos, you know, we were upside down, we were all turned around, nothing that we could do. When He washed us, He didn't just leave us there to sort of do whatever we wanted, or to be lost, or to flow away. He took us and He turned us right side up, and He plugged us into Christ. And maybe you can picture one of those big Lego sheets, you know, the ones that you can build on top of. He plugged us into something beautiful. So that we're not alone. We have other pieces, other bricks, other things that have been freed and brought together and bonded together in his love. We've been placed into one family, or we've been built up into one building with one master builder. There's another Lego movie reference. One, putting us all together for specific purposes. And one of the specific purposes is this. You've been set free. You've been brought into Christ. Now be a slave. Now serve. Now love one another. And I guess I could come in here and I could make you all feel horribly guilty. You know, oh, this, this congregation, you're doing horrible. You're sinners. You're, you're not serving. You're not slaves. You're selfish. And... <laughs> I think we could all say that that's true of ourselves. You know, we are all still have that sinful nature. We still wrestle with our tendencies towards selfishness and making up our own blueprints. But, but I'll just share with you, not to get your head too big, but, you know, this congregation, this family, is a beautiful collection of Legos. And it's impressive to see, you know, when you walk in, you get this atmosphere of people who genuinely appreciate this connection that they have with each other and a group of people who genuinely want to keep building more and more, to serve more and more, to build up this body of Christ. And I'm sure some of it is encouragement from Pastor Ben. (laughs) Here I am, building up his, or blowing up his head. Uh, Some of it might be his encouragement, but that's not, you know, that's not it. It's you. It's all these little different pieces that have come together through the power of God, by His grace, you know, as he, as, he, as he gathers us all in, it's, it's him. It's him bringing this, this, this awesome attitude and this awesome thing. And, and one other uh, thing I, I noticed, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had the installation of all of our volunteers who will be teaching God's word in one way or another. You know, 60-some volunteers just for teaching. And, and you look at all the other ways of serving here at Bethlehem, it's It's impressive to see how God has brought together all these Lego bricks. Um, So there there are two things I want you to do, though. We're we're not perfect. We're not there. We're not finished. There's still more to do. Um, And and I'll start it off by uh, putting this last uh, fill-in in. in. I serve by doing. And there's two ways I want you to evaluate that. First of all, as an individual, you are one Lego brick amongst a whole bunch of other ones. But look at your studs. Is there something? <laughs> oh, Heather looked at her, her husband. <laughs> uh, evaluate your openings. Uh, take a look at, at, the, at the way that you have uh, filled up your, your own little Lego. Um, are there things that I could be doing more? Could I be serving in different ways? And, and maybe the, the, here's. here's Here's a suggestion. I'm guilty of this, maybe you are too. Sometimes when someone's in need or if they're at a great loss, I'll put my arm around them and I'll say, you know, I'm there if you need me, let me know if there's anything I can do. Have you ever said that? Let me know if there's anything I can do. Has that person ever called you the next day or the next week saying, hey, you remember, you offered if, if there's something you could do? Have they ever done that? Maybe that's not the, the, the way of serving. That is a good expression of love, and you're expressing something to them, but it's not real specific, is it? Maybe. If you're actually really serious about helping them and serving them, you get a little more specific. You know, uh, Pastor Ben talked about specific invitations last week. I think it's, it's also good specific serving. Um, you, you ask them, hey, I'd really love to make you supper this week. Is it okay if I bring something on Tuesday? Or you say, hey, I was hoping that I could cut your lawn. Is it okay if I come by and cut your your lawn on on next weekend? But the thing is, you have to be ready to actually do it. Uh, So make sure you have the open studs first before you you go ahead and make that offer. But make it specific. That's the way not just to show love, but it's a way to uh, express uh, and show your your acts of service too. Uh, So that's one way. Evaluate yourself as a Lego. Look at what you have open. Maybe consider something that you could open up so that you can show meaningful service to someone else. Uh, the other way, uh, the other way um, to, to step forward is to uh, look at this. You know, we as a congregation have uh, different ways that when we work together, we have more studs to work with. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> uh, more opportunities, more openings. And, you know, when we work together, there are Naturally, more more ways to serve. And so we as a staff, we spent some time and we looked at how can we encourage acts of service. Um, And in your um, bulletin, on your service folder, on the, I don't know if you'd call it the third page, but when you open it up, it's the last page on the right. In the announcements section, it lists ten ways that we've identified openings here at Bethlehem. Blank spots that we'd like to fill in. Uh, ways that, that you can show meaningful service. And so, you know, take a look at those and, and maybe pray over them, think of them. And, and if, some, if something in there uh, sort of speaks to you, then maybe take the opportunity. There's a sign-up sheet right out there to the right of the Welcome Center. The longer you wait, the less the chance you can get what you ask for, so, so do it quickly. But the, the, the sign-up sheet is out there. You know, maybe there is a new way that you can connect a way that you can use some of your empty spots on your Lego to to show us service and to act in service, not just as an individual, but also as a congregation and as a family. And and as we do so, you know, just imagine what this little Lego city will look like, Uh, making connection after connection, always looking up, always looking to the one who came to serve us. Uh, sharing that blood of Christ which releases people from their slavery and bringing them into a kind of service that has eternal results. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the forgiveness you gave us and for freeing us from our slavery to sin and death. Now that you have freed us, enable us to to live in the same way that you have shown your love to us, that we would be willing servants, willing slaves to to you and to one another. Uh, Let all that we have be yours. Uh, Let us see that all the opportunities you place before us, all the gifts that you've given us, everything uh, enables us to serve you and to serve each other. And so we ask you to give us strength and wisdom to be able to serve appropriately and to give you glory in all that we do. We pray all this in Jesus' name as we also join in the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory.